they can go into pubs, we can eat our fill in restaurants, but my sons can't return to day opportunities. Yeah. Lots of other families can't return to respite because the trust are using a two metre rule. I went to a show in the hotel that they put on. I, my heart was sitting out on my arm. I was so proud of my son, a big lad, six foot odd, singing and dancing with his heart out on a stage in our Massey Hotel. Um, I went to work and he was fine with that. Yeah. Um, but now with the pandemic, he he hides my clothes. He hides my shoes, my work clothes. <laughs> I will provide all the care and love and nurturing that they need. But I cannot provide functionality and socialization. I cannot do that. Yeah. That's what I want my trust to help me with. This is your host Elaine Ingram and that was Catherine Taylor speaking to me from her home in Armagh with her son Levi nearby. Two of Catherine's four children, Nathan and Levi, have autism and severe learning disabilities. And as you can tell from those clips, she's desperate for help from the trust who she feels have deserted families like hers who have children with learning disabilities and particularly as these children move into adulthood. We had a very emotional chat with Catherine telling um, me all about the situation um, and the daily struggles that she and other families just like her have to deal with. I'm here with Catherine Taylor and um, your son Levi and Catherine you're you're at your wits end um, I believe with resources because um you're both you've got two sons with autism yeah um and uh, the trust have taken away because of covid they say mm-hmm. have taken away your resources yeah. um that you had before mm-hmm. but um th- this is what's happening right now yeah Lynn, i just feel that um this is a major piece of work it's not just about covid and I just feel that the trust, and it's not just Southern Trust. Um, every trust I'm in contact with parents from the Northern Trust, so it's 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 province wide, but obviously it's the Southern Trust that you know was involved with me, and I just see an erosion of service. You know, I had very little service to start with, so for those services to be taken away completely is atrocious. Yeah, Do you know, um. I, I appreciate the whole COVID thing. I work in social care myself. So I, I know how tight things were. I knew I, I knew how um, protective everybody was of everybody else. I get that. But what I don't get is now when every other service is opening up, we can go into pubs, we can eat our fill in restaurants, but my sons can't return to day opportunities. Yeah. Lots of other families can't return to respite because the trust are using a two metre rule. Which doesn't really make a lot of sense. No, it makes no sense to me. Because this, in the first, um, after the first lockdown, when they opened up, 
It did return. It did return. And it and returned. the two, two meter rule was in place then. Yes, it was. And Elaine, it returned the day opportunity. The, the one that I'm specifically talking about was a fabulous day opportunity. I cannot sing the praises. Explain what a day opportunity is. The day opportunity for my sons was giving them functionality. It was, you know, I went through the whole education system with Nathan and Levi. They learnt beautiful skills, skills that I never thought, <laughs> I never thought they would have. And then to... This is, this is really difficult. Yeah. I suppose, do you know, like, Nathan and Levi, they're non-verbal. That doesn't mean they're worthless. I, I take me back and we'll start at the beginning and tell us a bit about Nathan and Levi, okay. um, your two sons, you're um, 20 and 25 years old. Yeah, 20 and 25. And um, Nathan is the eldest? Nathan is the eldest. I have a, a daughter older than that as well and I have a son younger. Nathan was diagnosed when he was five. Levi was diagnosed at two. Levi had a lot of problems. Um, and then as they... You know, you struggle in those early years because you don't know what's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have this wee ball of frustration who's not like any other child that I had. And I struggled. Did you recognise, um, because Nathan had been diagnosed, did you recognise? Uh, I recognised straight away with Levi that um, whereas Nathan's development was okay up to a point, was it picked up in school then? No. Um, Nathan was at home with me until he was five. Levi had the wonderful opportunity of being diagnosed really early because I saw the signs earlier and went through early intervention, which was an absolutely invaluable program to him. So you fast forward and you get them into the education system and Listen Alley School played... They played a major role in shaping this whole family. Yeah. Because you felt part of a community. You felt that when you had a problem, you had someone that understood. This wasn't you know, a problem that I had wasn't new to them. They'd seen it all before. Yeah. It wasn't a problem that was going to be insurmountable. We worked through it. We worked at it together as a team. And I felt that Nathan and Levi came out of school as best as they could be. They were like tip top, <laughs> you yeah. know, they had achieved, they were, you know, all of those skill sets that, that Listen Ali helped to hone and, and there was going to be great things for them. Yeah. I wasn't going to be left here sitting with them at home. And for Nathan, he continued on the education system for a while um, and then he moved into day opportunities. So yeah. for a, for day up, for Levi, it was a bit different because Levi has challenges to his behaviour. Mm-hmm. So that closes a lot of doors straight away when you have a challenge to your behaviour. Yeah. Um, so for Levi, it was a bit different because school ended for him in the middle of lockdown. That first lockdown, Levi had to leave school and he never returned. So for Levi then to have to try and understand, okay, I'm never going back to this Nally school. I'm never going back to the place. But for the past 15 years, I have been so comfortable. Yeah. I'm never going back there. 
But I somewhere in the back of my head, I thought, okay, like everybody else, I never thought the pandemic was going to last as long as yeah. it did. And what were the what did you find, you know, straight away as soon as the lockdown happened and he had to leave school? Did you? The first couple of weeks were fine because we treated it like a summer holiday. Yeah, it so, sounds like a lot of people yeah, doing the baking. Exactly. And the... So the things that we did when he nor when then both of them normally would have come out of school for the summer. We had an eight week you know period where we were going to do different things. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did in those first eight weeks. We did all the things that we normally do when they're off school on holidays. But then that period got longer and longer and longer. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there's only oh, how many so many buns you can make and eat. <laughs> yeah you know and walks and, you can go on yeah and... you know and a big thing for Levi would have been he loves a shopping trip so even for that him was gone. that was gone so I was left with a young man who was terribly frustrated with everything do you think that he understood what was happening I mean obviously not the whole I don't think he understood but... you know he he now has come to the realization about mask wearing and and he's very good about taking his mask everywhere and hand sanitizing and all of those things. So he knows that there's something is very different about his world. Yeah. But his world, as he knows it, is me. Yeah. The past year, it has been me. I am the one constant in his life. Now, you can see him. We moved from one room to another and he had to move with me. Yeah. He follows me. He is stuck to me 24-7. And how stressful is that for you in terms of your own? I, do you, I mean, obviously, you know, these your son. You he's love my your son. son. Yeah, he's my son. And no, I no doubt him. about that. But I'm exhausted. But yeah, you must be. <laughs> I'm physically, mentally and emotionally exhausted from all of this. From trying to get, you, you know, uh, my daughter moved out of, out of home um, in February before the pandemic. She, is your, is your she daughter moved. older? She is, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Sophie had moved out. Um, so we were dealing with that, that that was a new thing here, that, you know, Sophie no because longer lived here. Because routine is so, yeah. so important. Yeah. For, for so we people. were already dealing with that. Um, then my, my youngest son, Sam, obviously he had to come out of school. So in a family like ours, we are trying to give a little bit of you to each of them. Yeah. What is left for Sophie and Sam gets very diluted. I know. I because... mean, we all complain about having to do the homeschooling yeah. and all the rest. But I mean, for you, it's just, it must have been horrendous. Well, it was, it was. And again, as a parent, you constantly have guilt anyway. But then I have this added guilt that, do you know, I, I have four children. Yeah. I just don't have two. But in Nathan and Levi, I have two wee boys inside adult bodies. Yes. Do you know, and... All of their needs have to be taken care of. I do all of that. Yeah. So to have, and this sounds terribly selfish, but to have that me time completely taken away. Well, everybody needs that. Is I think is the hardest thing for yeah. me to, to have to deal with. That can you, can you leave the house at all? Can you? I leave the house to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows that. He knows when I put on my work uniform, I'm going to work and he's fine with that because that has been a constant you know that has been somebody have to come in then well my husband's here I work nice okay it's not ideal but um I work in social care I love my job 
I think I have a, a skill set that I bring to my job that I love and, and I I actually love the camaraderie of the people I work with. And probably because they're adults and I get conversation. Exactly. So that is your so my respite. Your, your your respite is yeah. going to work. Yeah. Which, you know, is is not really that doesn't sound right. No, either, it doesn't know? sound right, but for me it works. Yeah. Because I I just, when I'm in work, I have a different set of problems. Yeah. And that's okay because I don't have that emotional link to those that set of problems in work. Yeah. You know, but um, it does make it difficult in that um, Levi appreciates that side that, he, you know, but that was before COVID. So that always happened before COVID. Um, I went to work and he was fine with that. Yeah. Um, but now with the pandemic, he he hides my clothes he hides my shoes my work clothes <laughs> um he when we come in in the evenings um if we've been out he takes my shoes and hides my shoes he doesn't want you to leave at he all. doesn't want me to leave and we have resettled him back into um a day opportunity um and printed which we took a long time building that up for him he goes one day a week now that has restarted and i appreciate that yeah because printed worked really hard during the lockdown to keep us resourced and to check in with us yeah to see how we were doing and that to me that was above and beyond what they needed to do yeah um but for me and I, you know, speaking to other parents who who are using a respite system that Elaine is non-existent, and if anybody remembers, my boys used Oaklands here in Armagh. It was a respite unit in Armagh when they were children. Yeah. Um, I went through the same battle in children's services where they closed that unit because. It had to be used in emergency situations. We're now facing the same thing in adult services. The yeah, pandemic has been a major emergency. Yeah. <laughs> but when I listen and I talk to families like mine, worse off than mine, maybe not as bad off as mine, the trust is only ever one family away from a crisis. Yeah, well, that's true. One family, one day. That's all it takes. And then everything will be exactly shut down. That's all it takes. And I don't care what they tell me about um, two meter rules, what they tell me about, you know, keeping people safe. They don't have the facilities to provide for those young people who are experiencing major challenges where family yeah. units have broken down. Yeah. So, and this sounds harsh as well, but why should one unit be closed that's accommodating nine beds to accommodate one or two people? Because we all suffer. Yeah. You know, and that's, to me, that's what's happening again. I saw it happen in children's services. I fought for it to remain open. Yes, this happened seven years ago. Yeah. I can't remember whether it was seven years ago. It it was when both of my boys were still in children's services. Yeah. But um and, and you had to fight then. Yeah. Had to fight then, you know, you do what you do, you you go to your paper, you 
go to your politicians, yeah. you go to the councillors, and everybody was on board. And did they did they get it back up and running no. again? No. They they changed it. They they now call it short breaks. Okay. But again, if a family's in major crisis, where did the trust put that family? Where did the trust put that young person, young adult, whatever, into the respite home? Yeah. And then that closes the respite to everybody else. That's the reality. And what do you think should be done? Uh, You know, is it just, is it a money thing? Is it a... Julian, I feel, I honestly feel that... I'm not saying that when they closed the hospitals that it wasn't the right thing to do. But it was always sold to me when we came into service 20 years ago with Nathan. It was sold to me as care in the community. These young people, oh, there's so much that these young people can do. And I see that. I see what my sons can do. Yeah. But there's nothing on the other side because... Nathan and Levi fall into a hole because they're not high functioning enough to be able to go to something like the gathering rooms. Yeah. Or the, you know, the cafes that is run. They're not high functioning Mm. enough to do that. They're not low functioning enough to Mm. be in day centres. So where do they fall? So they're in between. (laughs) They're this in-betweeny group. Yeah. And there's nothing for them. There's nothing there. for them. Especially this, when it comes to adult services. Though. Adult services. I mean, yeah. I spoke to Bernie. I know Bernie. Yeah. You know Bernie yeah, yeah. about this. She touched on this. We had her on our podcast before. Yeah. Of, um, uh, because Jodie won the uh, won an award. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, she, she Jodie and Nathan would have been in the same class in yeah. school. And she she touched on she touched on this. Um, and we didn't really get into it that much, but she was having the same issues yeah. and the fact that she's been fighting for so long yeah. it's the same as you yeah bernie uh, bernie used very little service i mean she set up the triple a herself but for me it was about my young so my son's being independent from yeah. me you know being able to function outside of me and they can but at the minute leave i can't well how much that's the thing how much have the being at home and stuck at home and getting away from all that routine and all the things and skills that they've yeah. been learning. How much have they regressed? Oh, Levi, Nathan, not so much so because Nathan is a very different young man, personality-wise and everything. He's very calm. Um, He doesn't have any challenges to his behaviour. He just goes with the flow. And he's a big, gentle giant. He's He's... He's just so easy come go easy. He just, you know, Levi always has been that bit more frustrated because he's higher functioning. Yeah. And in the year, I became everything to him. Everything. Yeah. And now he doesn't want to let that go. He doesn't want to socialise. He doesn't want to yeah. do any of those things because do you know what? What happens? He settled. In, this is his new yeah, reality. This is his, this this is his is new his, world. Yeah, this is his new world. This is what he does. He's quite happy to sit there in his underpants and a t-shirt. Yeah. You know because nobody's expecting anything from him, and then when you do expect something from him, then you get the behaviour, then you get you know the aggression toward. You know he would never hurt me. Or you or anybody. But he's a big lad. Yeah. And he can be frightening when he kicks off or when he 
decides that he's going to lie down in the middle of the road. Yeah. You know, um, it's not easy for him. He doesn't understand. Exactly. I don't always understand what it is has annoyed him. But you know how to deal but with But I it. know how to deal with it. Yeah. But, so when actually, you know, we came back in into services opening up again, um, Levi hadn't had a social worker. He'd had a transition officer. Yeah. But that stops once you finish transition from school. So he didn't actually have a social worker. And then we, you know, a social worker came on board. And whilst I appreciate the trust telling me and, 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 you know, urging me to contact my case manager, I don't have a problem contacting my case manager. But what can she do for me? She if it's not there, it's not there. She can't do anything for me. Yeah. And I feel so bad that I'm... I'm going and I'm, I'm I'm saying I want this I want that I want the other thing what is there and that poor woman's having to say to me oh, my hands are tied yeah I mean if the services aren't there if they the aren't services there. aren't and I know the services aren't there so and why I, am I going to continue to ring and badger that woman in her job when there's not a damn thing she can do and what what can be done I don't know. Yeah. I honestly don't know. I, I honestly what don't know. What are they know. telling you? I mean, have they're they telling come back me, to you? Well, they're telling me, uh, you know, think about it more imaginatively. Um, let's look to the private sector. Okay. I will look to the private sector. I use the private sector already. But what happens when all of these referrals then go to the private sector and they're flooded? And they can't provide service anymore either because they're oversubscribed. So I'm getting a diluted service again. And it probably is very expensive to go to the private, private sector. It is expensive. And a lot of people can't. Yeah. How many families are in this situation? Do you oh, think? how long is a piece of string? You know, children's services are not to 18. Adult services are 18 to infinity. Yeah. So... For me to tell you how many families there are in that situation, I have no idea. How many big lads or big girls do you see out there walking about with their mummy? Yeah. Because there's no functional reality for them. Yeah. Do you know, I, I never intended that Nathan and Levi would spend the rest of their days sitting at home here with me. I don't have the same enthusiasm I had 20 years ago. I will provide all the care and love and nurturing that they need. But I cannot provide functionality and socialization. I cannot do that. Yeah. That's what I want my trust to help me with. And when I said to you about the day opportunity in St. Luke's in the rec room, I cannot tell you how wonderful that day opportunity was. Honestly, I, I, when we, when, when Nathan started going to that, I thought, wow, it provides friendship. It provided, uh, uh, arts, crafts, song and dance. Yeah. All of those things. I went to a show in the hotel that they put on. I, my heart was sitting out on my arm. I was so proud of my son, a big lad, six foot odd. Singing and dancing his heart out yeah. on a stage in our City Hotel. It was fabulous. They, you know, they learned, they, they continued with their Makaton. 
What was wrong with that service? It was a small, unique, fabulous day opportunity. And they won't bring it back. Well, according to the two metre rule, it's never coming oh, back. Yeah. But it came back. It came back. That's the thing, you know. How, how could... I don't know how things suddenly changed. I imagine staff were redeployed. I, I have no idea. But, you know, if anybody would stop to ask me, I sang the praises of that service. I wrote about that service. I sent in complimentary, you know, they, they give you out these things about, you know, how to make complaints, but how to make, you know, nice comments. Yeah. I sent in more of those about that service. I couldn't have sent And it seems in the grand enough. scheme of thing, it seems like such a small thing. It's yeah. such a huge thing for, for your sons yeah. and for other children. There were 12 young people, in... 12 young adults using yeah. that. And the smiles on their faces going in, bringing their arts and crafts out to you, showing me the bits of Makaton that he had, you know, he had learned, singing along with songs they put on the, the, the Children of Lear. Oh my God, you know, all of the things that I wanted for them, that small group that were people like them, where there was no pressure to perform, there was no pressure to be something you're not. Yeah run by a group of support workers who are fabulous and who know exactly what exactly exactly elaine so for me i think that was the biggest blow because that was that that was the fun reality of learning disability yeah (laughs) that they could go there and they could just be themselves and it was lovely and that's gone yeah that is gone so we're back to i meet other mums walk on the roads (laughs) Yeah, what is a, a day, what would be a typical day in your life be now when you're not working, when you're here? Well, a typical day is Nathan goes to print it as well. Um, so that has started back for them. Yeah. So um, Levi goes one, one day, Nathan goes two days, he goes Mondays and Fridays. But, I mean, I I have to do their personal care. Yeah. Um they get dressed themselves they pick their own clothes but they need help with their personal care we breakfast together we take nathan into town we go levi and i go for a walk we try some days to stay in town long enough that i'm not in and out this road constantly yeah picking other people up um sam started back to school he's he's an upper six so he had gone back to school for a short period of time so Levi and I were constantly busy doing nothing. Yeah. You know, and, and that's basically what it was. It was busying my day doing absolutely nothing. Then I discovered that Levi would go to the farm. My husband works on a farm. So Levi would go to the farm and um, he's a poultry farmer. Uh, yeah. And I discovered that Levi actually likes collecting eggs. Oh, but again, so that's how we filled our days. We went and we packed eggs. Okay. Um, but again, that included me. Yeah. So yeah. I then had to, you know, be at the farm every single day <laughs> collecting eggs. I didn't want to do that. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, you know, that's not how I saw myself. You know, I yeah. didn't want to collect. I could have done that if I had wanted to. Yeah. So here I am. I'm providing him with a day opportunity and myself <laughs> the day opportunity collecting eggs. Yeah, and you, you, you need 
uh, some time for yourself. I do, but to... he needs, do you know, again, that involves me and his father. So he's not seeing anybody outside of yeah. me and his father. Yeah. So, so it's bad for everybody all around. Yeah, so all of those lovely social skills that he had, they're gone. Yeah. Because he constantly wants to be with me or he constantly wants to be in the company of someone from this family. And how about Sam? How's it been for him? You know, have things been well, difficult been for him? Difficult for Sam because Sam had to then enter that caring role. Um, when I would take him to the the farm, Nathan always, right from a wee boy, detested the smell of the farm. So obviously Nathan wasn't coming with us. So then, Sam. And Sam, what age is Sam? Sam is Sam will be Sam's eighteen. He'd be nineteen in September. So that's tough for So him. Sam had to take on that role of looking after Nathan while I was with Levi. Yeah. And generally, Elaine, it's difficult to manage the behaviour of both Nathan and Levi because although they're brothers, they don't really particularly get on that well together. Okay. So so for me <laughs> well, to Well that's go, quite normal in a lot is, of families. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me to go out to take two huge big men. Yeah. Out for a walk. Should something happen on that walk, who do I prioritise? Yeah. Do I prioritise Levi who's lying on the ground? Or do I prioritise Nathan who's going to wander off on me? What do I do? Yeah. One person. One person. Yeah. It's really difficult. Do you know, so... What I wanted was a little bit of help. A little bit of something where Nathan and Levi could go enjoy themselves, be part of a group, and have fun. And also you. But in that time when they're having fun, I can recharge. Yeah, you can go. <laughs> That's all I want. Go to go and get a coffee. I somewhere, can meet my friends. Meet your friends. Yeah, do I, just I, do normal stuff. Yeah, yeah, I have a wonderful group. I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> I can see your the the frustration. Yeah, and I have the, a wonderful group of friends who we've all had children together. You know, they've all we all had babies at the one time. We all had millennium babies. We all had you, you know. Yeah. And they have been with me every single step. But I'm nearly guilty now that I'm I'm holding that group back from doing stuff because they don't want to do it without me. It's just at the minute, I can't, you know, because I need to be here for him because I don't want his situation to get any worse. Yeah. Um, I mean, for everybody, it really seems like there needs to be, something has to be done here. Yeah. And because he's regressing and you're at the end of your tether. But I don't want to be... I didn't want this ever to be just about me. Well, it's not about you. I mean, it's about all there's a whole, whole lot of yeah, families I out there in the same to, situation. I wanted for people to understand that although they see lots of people like me with big fellas and big girls walking about with them with smiles plastered on their faces, they have no idea what goes on. Yeah. It's you no know, like I was sick of that whole thing about um, carers being unsung heroes. I am so sick of hearing that. 
you know, I'm not an unsung hero. <laughs> and it's a case of putting one foot in front of the other. Isn't yeah, it, it mean, really you, is. You, you don't you don't do it because you want to be a hero. You just do it because it's my these family. are your children and this it's is your family. It's my family and I want the very best for my family. Yeah. You know, I, I have got two other children through life as well as getting Nathan and Levi through. Yeah. But now my family dynamic is changing. And I don't see much of a future for me, Nathan and Levi. Yeah. If they're, you know, I'm not prepared to sit back and just let them sit in this house. I'm not prepared. And do you know what? If other people can't hack Nathan and Levi, that's not my problem. That's their problem. Yeah. You know, I, I, there's nowhere I don't go with Nathan and Levi. But I kind of think to myself, how many people out there are like me in similar situations who have young people, older people, you know, did, did the trusts expect that these, these young people, these children would never grow up? Did they never expect them to get into adult services? Yeah. Because why, Elaine, put all of that effort into children? And then just... And then not continue it as adults. Yeah. As, you know, as all of us emerge from children into adults, life gets more difficult. I mean, why would it be any different for someone who has a learning disability? Yeah, exactly. So Do you know, why would their situation not have the same value put on it as yours or mine? Yeah. That's what I don't understand. I... Young people were having to be sent here, there and everywhere because there's no facility in Northern Ireland to facilitate that very high dependency young person with a learning disability. Yeah. But it that seems young like person, there's, a, there's a, a gap there. There is a gap. Yeah. So that young person becomes an adult. What happens to your high dependency? Does it go away? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't. And with in in this this particular situation, it just gets worse because of you know. And so every family, you know, while whilst the, the trust are saying, you know, um, if you're feeling that you're in a crisis situation, just lift the phone, and do what. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, it's. Do you know? So I I. I just feel that. And I know during the pandemic and all the rest of it, there has been so many services have have really just been let down. And, and I don't want service took away from anybody else to give it to learning disability. But this is a service that has been plundered and plundered and plundered. Yeah, There's it been seems no... like there haven't been a... a it you know things like this often it's like if you shout loud enough yeah. for things you know you can get them but like it's just it's is the powers that be is their understanding so slight that they never foresee these problems coming yeah they're supposed to be experts in learning disability strategic planners in learning disability did they never see this coming yeah that's what gets me. I'm just a parent. I know at any one time the situation here could change dramatically. What would happen if I if I died? If I lost my husband? Would I still be able to cope the way I cope now? 
Yeah. Would this family be able to cope? And if this family couldn't cope, how would the trust cope with them? Is the answer? Yeah. You something, know, <laughs> something something needs to be done. There is no answer to to all of that. And when you come in there, I speak into a lady that I haven't spoke to in years. But I know she has a son in his 30s who does nothing. Only stay at home with her. And the reality is that, you know, you know you're, you're all getting older. Yeah. I mean, where does this, you know... Where does it stop? That's what I'm saying. I'm 50. When I was 20, I could have fought any battle. <laughs> Do you know, I had so much enthusiasm because I had hope. Yeah. That things would improve and that, you know, people would see the wonderful things that my sons could do and other people's children could do. And the reality would be, you know, we would have these day enterprises. We would have all of these things. We don't have them. Yeah. We don't have them. And that's the reality. And for me, residential care is not the answer for me or my family. So for me, I wanted a little bit of help to enable me to continue to provide the best care for Nathan and Levi. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. You know, I know there are families out there that need much more support. So if I'm asking for a wee bit and I'm not getting it. Then those families aren't getting what are it those? How are those families coping? Yeah. That's the scary, scary thing. And it gives me no pleasure at all having to talk to and cry about my family situation. Well, it's something that needs to be told and people need to hear it. Yeah, and that's I kind of think to myself. And the people that matter need to hear it and they the need to actually that matter, start don't listening. Listen. They well, don't listen. They need to start listening. <laughs> you know, I, I'm like, you know, 20 years I've been in this service. I have always tried to work with my trust. I have been the chairperson of the parents' groups. I have, you know, I have chairperson of PTA, you know, in the special school. I have done i have served my time i have done everything that i can to improve and to be an advocate for this service for these young people i'm done yeah i I, i'm done having you know oh it's and this this new thing of it's the pandemic my god thank god for the pandemic because what would they have blamed if we hadn't had the pandemic yeah what? I mean, it, it was, was already, coming. It was going downhill. It was coming. This was coming. The pandemic could give them. Because in that year, Elaine, we all had to cope. We all had to stay at home. And we did it. Because we, we did it because we were protecting each other. Yeah. Perfect excuse. Well, I hope, Catherine, that things improve for you <clears throat> and for... Levi and Nathan, I hope somebody out there is listening and they, you know. Well, it's not for my want to try it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it yeah. certainly, it certainly isn't. I can, I can see that, and I can see your despair. Yeah. Is, you know. But that's nice. saying. Do you know is that is that what the world has come to that you know, actually people like me have to go public? Is that what it's come to? Yeah. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't you know? be up to people to. No. I was talking to my friend, and I said to her, you know, I feel like this. Is a social experiment that I took part in. That didn't work. Really. You know this social experiment of getting everybody out into the community and being seen and being happy and all the rest of it. It's just not working. 
Maybe. Did, did, do you think it was just, you know, more for... I don't know what it was for. Show or yeah, for... I really don't know To be seen to be doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And you have parents that are heart scared of a whole muckamore happening on your doorstep. But do you know what? For all of that, where things have gone very badly wrong in Muckamore, where are all those people going to go? Because there isn't community settings. There isn't, you know, this wonderful, idyllic world that these planners or Lord Bamford or what the future that he saw has not transpired. You know, so he wanted all of those institutions closed. Put them out into the community. <laughs> but they didn't put the community in first. Yeah. You know, and 20 years later, that community has crumbled. It was made a stand. You know, I have been part of that community. Yeah. I was, I was you know, so hopeful of this wonderful idyllic world that, you know, my son's we're going to, you know, shoot through the daisies in this wonderful world of learning disability where there was just going to be so much input and so much help. In an ideal world, I would have loved Nathan and Levi who, by definition of their diagnosis, are lifelong learners. <laughs> I would have loved there to be some kind of community college, you know, where those skills that were taught in, in, in school would continue didn't happen yeah you know um yeah. they're still learning yeah but there's nobody there to help facilitate that life learning those life skills that they will need to see them through for the rest of their days yeah you know they can make beds they can do washing <laughs> they can hang washing right all very functional skills yeah and there just needs to be a place where they have their own little yeah. community where they can do those Simple skills yeah. that just make a world of yeah. difference to them. And, that's and nice. to you. Yeah. And to, you know. And to, to actually value a service that is learning disability. We'll just have to say, you know, I need help to progress it. I can't do it myself. Yeah. You know, I, I, I need somebody to open the doors for me to allow me to express that this is a whole service failure. Yeah. It isn't just about Catherine, Nathan and Levi. Okay, well listen, thanks very much for no problem. chatting with me. <laughs> no problem. Glad you found me, alright? <laughs> thanks, Catherine. Bye. Thanks for listening. Um, I sincerely hope that Catherine and other families that are in situations like hers get the help that they um, need and um, definitely deserve. Remember to keep getting all of your news from Arma Eye and I hope you join us next time for our podcast.